very interesting. Uh, and the guy talks about, he goes back to a school in New Hampshire that he did, went to when he was younger. And now he's a little older. And he says, he says, coming back to the school, I realized how much fear I was always in. Yeah? But I only realized it because I must be out of it now to recognize how much fear I was in. Yeah? So this is, this is how it works quite a lot. You recognize the presence of something in your life when it's finally absent. Yeah? So the same thing with selfing. Selfing, you won't know how influential it is in what you call your life until you get relieved from it somewhat. Yeah? When you, when you get relief from it, you'll see, you'll see the extensive network it's running. Yeah? You can't really know it while, it's being, while you're under it. Yeah? Because part of being under the network is you don't know you're under the network as much as you are. But when you get, let's say, if you do service and stuff, people will get a sense of being out of oneself. So they come sort of out of that, out of uh, underneath that umbrella of selfing, and they get to see by its absence how extensively influencing it is, yeah? Well, we use the term all the, we use the example of gravity. No one really knows the, uh, the effects of gravity until you go into an anti-gravity chamber. Then by its absence, you'll know its presence. And I don't mean its presence as a thing, but its influence, let's say, yeah? This is exactly what's going on. The selfing is very tricky because it covers its tracks really well. So if you have a moment where you're freed from the bondage of self, it's going to be the self that's going to rise up, the selfing, and claim it. It's going to say, I had that freedom, which it makes absolutely no sense. How could the self have the freedom from itself? Yeah? That would still be extension of self, wouldn't it? Self can't get out of self, but it wants to have that take. So, but it does it the opposite way. It isn't like it gets out of it. It arises after there's been an event where you've been out of self, and then it claims to be the one who had the event, and then suddenly you're back to seemingly in self. Yeah? And then from that point of view, it says it, was, it got out of self. But here, here it is. There's a self thing going on. So you're under this influence. And then something happens, you're swimming or something like that. And the, sense, the self thing gets stopped, and you're out of self. You're out of the bondage of self. Yeah? Now, the self thing arises again, claims to be the one who's out of the bondage of self. Yeah? But it wasn't there in the out of the bondage of self, because it was gone. It's what you were free from. But it arises and then claims to be the one who had the freedom from itself. That's the situation of self trying to get out of self. Many people don't recognize. There's the absence of self in one's life. In other words, something overruns its whole little system in this event, and you're free from the bondage of self. Then the event regurgitates, re groups and arises in the thought system and claims to be the one who's having the experience of this absence, yeah? But you are actually absence of the false one. That's the joy of it. It pisses on that joy by claiming it. 
So once again, even the absence of self will, will trigger the self to arise and claim it, and now the self will claim to have been absent, yeah, as an experience. So the self will take credit for its own absence, and now you're saddled with the same self in you again. And therefore, you would, you would, maybe you had a humble expectation, wow, that was the freedom of self, and then you would think it would lead to a stabilized freedom from self, but the self puts a clamp on that and claims it, yeah, and now the freedom from the bondage of self extends the sense of self. It's incredible. If you see it, sooner or later, the emphasis, and all it is is emphasis, really, Right now, every one of us is seeing. This is it. What's looking right now is the seeing, is what we're looking for. But the emphasis isn't usually on the seeing. The emphasis is on the mental interpretation of the seeing, on this nebulous, vague seer, and then on the seeing. Yeah? So here it goes. So there's the seeing. And then this, the mental interpretation splits the seeing into seer and seeing. Yeah? So the, the interest in the seeing gets sort of hijacked and then puts into the two poles of the event seeing, which is seer, me, and seeing. And then you lose the sense of the seeing, and the losing the sense of the seeing is like losing the sense of what you really are. And now, you're in, uh, once again, your, your sense of what you really are is based on the interpretation, so you take yourself to be the seer. And in this act, all the time, you can seemingly forget that you're the seeing. Even though it's ever-present, much more so than the selfing, much more so than the sense of self, it's always going on, and that's why you don't notice it. You don't know it's you because it's so you. It's never not been you. So you have no, the mental state, if that's the dominant navigational system, cannot register what's always here. It registers things by comparison, by absence, by presence, by, oh, that thing was once here, now it's been gone, then here it comes back, I remember it. And then you go, oh, I remember it. Yeah? But you can't remember what's always here. It's not, it's, its sense isn't on a time delay. You're here. Yeah? You're so here, we're not noticing it. It's like we're all like the fish in the water, the ocean, and we're studying books about the ocean. We're wondering why the pages are so wet. We just don't get what it's really all about, but we think we know what it's all about. While we're drenched in the ocean, we're studying it. Yeah. We are what we are looking for. Not as a thing, but as the scene that's coming out of this thing right now. Yeah. You want to call it activity consciousness? You're conscious of things? The only way you can be conscious of things is unless uh, is that you're conscious. Yeah? Yet, if you see a dead body, it's not conscious, is it? It's not seeing a damn thing. I used to tell this old one all the time. When I was about nine years old, someone died, one of my uncles died. 
And in the Catholic religion, they have wakes. And sometimes they have an open casket. So you go there and you pay a respect to the person who's passed away. So my mother wanted me to go up with her to the casket. At first, I didn't want to do it. It was a little scary, but I went. And when I looked and saw Uncle Fred, I had an instant recognition that's not Uncle Fred. Because I was, what I really knew of Uncle Fred wasn't the body. I knew what was enlivening the body. Yeah? And when the enlivening of the body was gone, the body was seen not to be Uncle Fred. Yet, while the, the enlivening was moving through the body, I kept thinking Uncle Fred was the body. But as soon as the thing, as soon as, as the real presence was absent, I realized the falsity of what I was calling the presence, the body. No thought at all, just sorry. That can't, that's not Uncle Fred. Because the body is just the body. It's like the, not even, it's, it's a vehicle. It's not the vehicle, it's a vehicle. But what happens is the life that's pushing it, that's moving, and consciousness moving through it, we, based on the sense of being a thing, only see it as a thing. But if you see someone you love and they die and then you see the body, it's quite a different experience than when you were seeing them alive. There's that one ingredient that you can't capture when they're dead, which is the liveliness, which was the whole essence of their life. Not the body, but that aliveness, you know, that awareness. But we're missing it. Why? Because we're missing it in ourselves. We're missing it so much, we've made it a topic or a pursuit or a journey called a spiritual journey to find oneself. But there's no need to find oneself. It's never left. It's so obvious, any search for it would be a way of forgetting it even more. It's so obvious that if any, if any spiritual search has any value in it, it's going to exhaust itself, and then you'll find that you've never left right where you've always been. Yeah? And then you can thank that practice or thank that event, because it initiated a recognition, but that was always available at all times. We're just not finding it out. We're not picking up on it because what's looking through us isn't being called us. We're calling us what's being looked through. Yeah. We, we're not taking the light to be the light. We're taking to the camera to be the producer of the light. Yeah. It's like that thing with the, let's say... You, you represented as a huge camera, huge camera, unbelievable lens, very, very wide. You can take everything in, yeah? Huge camera. And there you are, and then there's a smaller camera, much smaller camera. This huge camera looks through the smaller camera, and while it's looking through the smaller camera, it is a, a forgetfulness is produced by the looking through the smaller camera. It forgets it's the big camera. And now it believes this little aperture that it's looking through is the only way it can see. Yeah? It's lost all of this spacious possibility it was inherently in as the big camera. But now it's identified as the little camera. So here's this huge lens looking through this little aperture, and it takes the little aperture to be what's going on. Yeah? 
And it's only through the identification as the smaller camera that the bigger camera can forget its own nature. That it's huge and very, very wide open, yes? It's only when it takes itself to be the smaller camera that it seems to become downsized. But it never is downsized. It can only seem to be downsized as long as the identification with the smaller camera is in place. There you go. And even with that, so many day, times during a day it's interrupted because its hugeness is very difficult to cover up with this small little blanket the little camera's going down. Yeah? There's got to be a lot of yeoman's work for your mental state to keep you in the forgetfulness of your own nature by remembering what you're not. Gravity, all those effects. What do you usually blame? The hill, not gravity. Yeah? How would you know gravity? Studying it under its influence? No. Being relieved of it, now you know it. Exactly with self. When you see the self is not you, you will see it. Yeah? You'll see its huge influence, and its huge influence is based on you and I, not on it. It doesn't have any influence, but the influence we give it by identifying with it. The selfing can ruin your life only by the juice that you give to it through your identification with it. That's how it does it, yeah? The big boogeyman doesn't have the ability to cause any fright. We're giving it all the meaning it has. And how does that happen? Well, there's an activity, a mental activity called identification as a self. As long as my mental activity is telling life based on that it's all happening to me, yeah, that all this, all the quest, all the little assumptions it's thrown out all day, that I have something to do with something I have nothing to do with, that I'm the doer of everything, that I'm the seer of everything, I'm the, I'm the one constant amidst all this chaos of coming and going. No, you're not. You're also coming and going. Yeah? A lot of things that appear to you come and go quicker, but you're going to pass away as a body in 80, 90 years. Yeah? You seem to come and you're going. You're on your way out. Yeah? If you're really interested in feeling traveling lighter, then see what's causing you to be so fucking heavy, even about the topic of traveling lighter. See where all the heaviness is being went from. And maybe if you tell the truth about it, that 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 bridge that bridge, like, here it is, there's a thought. And we all have a rough semblance of an idea what a thought means, yeah? We've been brought up in the English language and this and that. But the thought itself has a vague meaning that's been given to it. But the real impact of a thought right now is not the meaning that it has, but it's the meaning you give it. And so there's a bridge from somewhere to the thought. And that bridge is seen as mine, yeah? So when a thought is held as mine, that mine, to me, is like a bridge that connects to like the, the iCloud, you know? Tons of possibilities, tons of potentialities, like a giant nebulous field of concepts and ideas and beliefs and all this stuff, yes? Interpretations. And so here comes a thought, yeah? It has a vague social meaning, most of us would understand. Money, let's say. 
But now my money changes it completely. The money didn't change. There's money. And now you affix a word that represents an activity called claiming my money. And therefore, someone says, hey, I'd love to see all of you have tons of money, but not my money. Yeah? That, no. I don't want you to have my money. I want you to have money. It's the same money. Yeah? But a huge different meaning. Yeah? I want you to have a lot of money, but none of my money. Yeah? Both side statements have money in it, but one has this little word that represents a whole lot of mental activity, my money. And then the meaning is incredibly different. I'm willing to see you have tons of money, but I don't want to see a cent of mine being given to you. Simple example, expound on it. Do you think it's only doing it with that one word? Oh, and all the other my bridges don't really... No, no big meanings being driven over those. No, they are all day. This is how we get to stay asleep when we're all the awakeness there could ever be. That's the way we can appear to be asleep to our own nature. By this incredible meaning, constant meaning being given to thoughts and emotions and physical stimuli and what it means to me and this is... This is the onset of some terrible depression or cancer or this and that. And usually you don't have a damn idea what's going on. Yet you have tons of ideas and thoughts about what's going on. Jesus Christ. Yeah. How does that thought get all that meaning? Did it just grow in itself? If it did, then every one of us would be affected the same way by the same thought. But each and every one of us has a, the, the, the swing of meaning that one thought can have entertained by all of us with this way of mind, this bridge of mind, is unbelievable. One thought that would provoke a laughter in you will, will just crush someone else over the bridge of mind. Because it's not the, what's, what the thought has, it's what the thought carries. Yeah? And all of these old ideas that you call somehow have something to do with you, the only they are is potential. Everything here is potential. We're calling everything into manifestation. We are. Like Jesus Christ would say, it did say, it's done according to your belief. Yeah? As you think, so you are. This is what happens. As you think, if you seem, feel like you, if you're thinking you're fucked, you'll be fucked, basically. Yeah? You'll feel as if you're fucked, and there'll be no evidence that you're fucked, but you'll feel it. Yeah? That's how strong the mind is. So as you think, so it is. It's incredible. So it is because it ain't. See, when you have the sense of what's going on, it gives you immunity to what's not going on that's appearing to be going on. Yeah? To be able to have immunity to what's not happening can only come from what's happening. There's no immunity in what's not happening from what's not happening. But if, you're, if you just recognize the obviousness of the awareness or the honest that we are, it will give you an immunity to what's hap- not happening yesterday and tomorrow. Yeah? We, I used to always use it, you know. In what's not happening, it's all based on your imagination. Whatever you can come up with, can appear, it can appear to be happening in what's not happening. But what's happening has one quality what's not happening never can get, which is it's happening. It's a simple anchor. 
Why do you seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and touching? <coughs> yeah? Now you're rooted, and then all the theirs that are being introduced by the mental state, you have an immunity to them. Yeah? You don't move at all. The only thing that moves is your interest and attention, going back and forth to yesterday and tomorrow, because the interest and attention has been trained to believe all of those thoughts are about you. Yeah? What if they're not? What if those thoughts aren't yours, and what if you are not the object of the thoughts? What would possibly happen? Well, what I found out happens is you'll lose interest in all the thoughts. As soon as you realize they're not about you, you lose interest in them. I'm telling you, Marco isn't going to sit with me unless he wants to get something from me and listen to me talk about all these fears I have about five years from now. He's going to be bored stiff. Yeah? One reason only. Not that it isn't interesting, because the same thoughts in his head held as Marco or about Marco would be incredibly interesting to Marco. And the same thing that I'm so interested in, if I could see them as Marcos, I'd be, have no interest in them. So are the thoughts what's provoking the interest? Or that they're about me or I'm the thinker of them? Isn't that what provokes the interest in them? You're not going to vanquish thoughts, but you can question the big thought, which is I'm the thinker. Yeah. If that isn't so, all the other thoughts will lose meaning, or they'll lose the ability to wallop you and stop your freaking nice day by one freaking thought, yeah? I've seen people's whole day get crippled by one or two thoughts. Yeah. It will lose that ability to produce an effect in what you call you, because its source of juice will be cut off. You won't, your interest and attention will have moved from that dead occupation and will be in the day you're in and probably will be enriching you in that day. Yeah? The same interest and attention through the auspices of identification itself, which is reinforcing the addiction to this dead idea, that same thing that's enlivening the seeming slavery you're under will be enriching your life now. It doesn't matter if things go great or not. You'll be in it. You will be in it. You'll be what you've been looking for. Every moment that you're in will be worthy of being in it because you are there. And quickly or slowly, your interest and attention that's been enslaved to all these preoccupations of yesterday and tomorrow and me, 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 will be freed to go somewhere else. And then what happens is you become aware of that, what, where they went by the fruits that are produced. Yeah? And therefore you know the tree by the fruits. You can't know the tree because you are the tree. You're not sitting under the tree. You are the tree. sound of sucking this cough drop is unbelievable. It's like a giant symphony in there. The menthol running up into the sinuses. 
You eat food after one of these talks, everything tastes so fucking great. You feel what it's like to be really alive. I mean, a electric awareness moving through the gates, not a fucking dulled out, dumbed out sense of numbness, you know? But you're awake. It's an oneness to life. It's like electric, and you're, you're right at the pulse of it. Yeah? It overrides all the significance that days are given. To. It overrides all the, all the mental significances that your mind, your mental state has been putting up all these years. All of it sort, all of uh, it just, it just sort of loses its luster. You know, your interest and attention loses its luster, and then your interest and attention is just interested in attending to itself, which creates incredible sparks of clarity, incredible sparks of joy. And like freedom and laughing, yeah, uh, incredible sparks of letting go, uh, incredible sparks of the irony of this place. How it's so freaking funny in some respects, yeah. And then months go by and weeks. It is, you don't have all these demarcations. Well, first of all, I don't work really. That would have given me some signposts. But you're you're. You put down all the all the shovels trying to mine happiness out of life, and now you realize you are that source of it. Yeah, you take off those heavy gloves and all that heavy fucking work just to feel like you're somewhat okay by accruing tons of value, only to have all that value dismissed and having you to go out and get some more value the next day. How much have you invested in getting value out of doing, and how much has it done? It just demands more and more and more. You're always being brought into un another review. You know, how are you doing? Let me tell you how I'm doing. You know, I haven't been doing enough. Who the fuck says that? I think I should be doing a whole lot more. Oh, do you really? I gotta get it together. Probably not. <laughs> I gave up on all that shit. <laughs> they don't even call the boss doesn't even call me in for the reviews anymore. <laughs> I get a check, but I never go to the office. <laughs> <laughs> the urban renewal project was called off. No more funding. <laughs> but I had some such grand plans. I know you do. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think I'm just going to enjoy the space I'm in. What? Oh yes. You see that commercial from Lowe's? Never stop improving. <laughs> Okay, shit. Did I sign up for that? Really? <laughs> Never to stop improving my whole life? I'm not going to get one break? Never stop improving. Am I, have I been improving enough? Where, where's my improver, you know, notary public? Paul, you haven't been improving at all this week. Oh, fuck. <laughs> 
<laughs> I can't believe that stuff we listen to. Never stop the movie. <laughs> you can always be better. <laughs> Don't give up. <laughs> no, give up. That's the wisest thing you can freaking do. Give up. Give up. It says in recovery, abandon yourself. It doesn't mean you. Abandon yourself. The your idea of you abandoned. Turn it over. You can completely give it. It's not you. You can abandon the self. It's not you. You can never abandon you. You are that. But you can definitely abandon the self. Yourself. The one that you are claiming to be you. The one that is called affectionately me over there. So abandon that. Oh no, I want it to be there when I get it. No, you won't. That's the reason why. Oh, it, it's, it asked me if it can be there to experience his own absence. No, don't wait any longer. It's just going to draw it out. The, the game was over before it started. It wants to have like 30 quarters in the game. You know, just keep on. No, I'm working on it. I'll be, I'll be I'm ready to surrender next week. No, no, drop. If you had a sense of onness that's all day, you would see how much space there is between the thoughts that arise in one's head. Every, before your attention zeroes in and focuses on the thought, thinking it's about you, what you are is ever-presently vibrating. You're so in your life, we don't even notice it. We're waiting to find it when that's what we're looking for. Let your mind just entertain the possibility. See what happens, you know? Give it... Give it a little more length on the leash, you know? Don't be worried. It's not going to, you know, just let it go roll and see. See what it's like when all the pressure is taken off of it. See what it's like when it's not living under the banner of never stop improving. See what it's like when you've given yourself a break. Maybe you'll start giving others a break, you know. See, you don't understand. The least you think you have on it, you're at the end of it. Not that. You're at the end of the leash. You're thinking you're that big honcho, the big do and have a No. You are at the end of the leash. Anytime you think you're the one that's holding on to something, that's the holding on. That's the thing. It's a tricky one because you can't really get it until it's absence. Yeah? Yet it's inherently absent. You are a phantom. You as you thought about. You as the thinker of the thoughts is a phantom. It has never been there, nor will it ever be there, but it can appear to be there to what's always here. And that's what selfing is 
is up to. It's attempting to convince the mind that it's a thing. Yeah? And how it does it? It just keeps pouring on all day. How many thoughts do you have about, about something that's already done? How many, how many thoughts go back into the mental cemetery thinking you can resurrect something that's already occurred? How many mental, how many thoughts go into the mental realm of the future cemetery? Yeah. How many in one day? How many times are you actually in a, doing something and there's thoughts and there's no thoughts there? Yeah? Usually the thoughts are never about what you're doing. They're using this moment to think about a past and a future moment. And our attention keeps going there even though we know it's frivolous because it's about us somehow. Yeah? And we love that us. We love that idea of being me. You know, we had a talk at this meeting about service, and I was thinking, you know, we sit here and we talk about service as if it's a choice. There's no choice. If you have untreated alcoholism, you have to do service, or you'll never know what it's like to be out of self. You can have 30 years of studying the self, you won't know what it's like to be out of self. You'll be self thinking about self. But when you do service, it pulls you out of that ass of self. And so now you know what it was like to be up the ass of self when you're out of it. Yeah? You realize the availability, the sense of presence wasn't there when I was up the ass of self. Now that it's here, yeah, it feels like it's always been possible. So obviously, it's the idea of being a self that's blocking me off from this sense of availability and presence. Yet, the selfing will regurgitate and say, I'm going to be there the next time. I'm going to get this experience that you've had of being available and, and feel a higher power. No, it won't. It's what clouds it. You'll know the presence of self by its absence. When you get relief from it, you'll start realizing how freaking overbearing this weather front is. How much you're breathing it in every day, how much your, your whole mental, emotional complexion is based on that not having any sunlight of the spirit, that pastiness, that, that hoping for a better moment tomorrow all the time. Thinking this moment's only value is if it's building up to a bigger, better moment. It's always like, this here isn't enough. I'm gonna, it's only, this here is only meant to move me to the mythical there. How many, and then when you arrive at that mythical there, it has the same quality you've been trying to escape here. Why wouldn't we just admit, you know, the past? was supposed to happen if it did. If it wasn't supposed to happen, it didn't. Simple story, yeah? I'm powerless, there's no way, I can't even change my sinus condition right now. You think I can go back and change what happened two years ago? Give me a freaking break. You don't even have control over the, the interfaces you're engaged with now. Circumstances and situations seem very unstable. 
Your emotional state is super unstable. Mental state is a domineering, claustrophobic condition that claims to be having all the others. Your physical state is so de dependent and determined by your emotional and your, and your mental state. What kind of state is it? It doesn't stand alone. And all the while, you're trying to juggle all these, these things, and you have this belief that if I only got it just so, <clears throat> then everything would be great. Yeah, for maybe a second, yeah? But now there's 23 hours and 59 minutes and thousands of seconds left after that little event, and everything has a moving and a shakeability. You can't keep it in line. Yet your whole sense of being okay and your whole sense of well-being is not based on what you are, it's based on these other conditions. It's like people I work with, <clears throat> their whole conditions are, are, are based on their kids' condition. His, my friend's four kids have all gone into trouble with drinking and drugs. So another person says, hey, would you please call up this guy Steve? And I say, well, you better have his four kids in the room. Because if I'm going to talk, talk to Steve, his, the condition of Steve isn't based on Steve at all. It's based on his four kids. Yeah. Is your condition based on your circumstances and situations? The body condition may be, but is that yours? Is your condition based on your emotional state? Is your condition based on the physical state? <coughs> If it is, it's not going to be a very solid, stable condition. It's not enough that they're all affected by variables. You've got a lot of time. So the more time, the more opportunity for variables to occur. Yeah? Yeah, I didn't get hit by a car this second, but I could in a minute. Just like when I had that, my total my car... <laughs> There it was, no total, no total, suddenly total. It was like one second, the car was total. Preceded by thousands of seconds of it not being total. Yeah? <laughs> I mean, millions of seconds, and suddenly one second it was total. Yeah? And it never got untotaled from there on. So my sound-stable outside circumstances and situations was suddenly not sound and stable. <clears throat> and then I was prey to other situations. Tow trucks and, you know, $65 a day charge to have your, your broken total car sit in one of those people's lots. And then all, these, all this money <laughs> starts getting demanded. It was very unstable, yet a second before it got totaled, it seemed very stable. I was feeling good. Suddenly, oh, my feeling good wasn't a rock. It was like fucking glass. Anything could break it. <clears throat> yeah? Oh, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Oh, great, that's a great prize, you know. Of course, yeah, it could have been really worse, but it was fucking bad. You meet people you never wanted to meet, the tow truck driver, you know he's setting you up to bring to a certain place where they're going to charge money, and you get, you, but you feel helpless because why don't I catch, get the car out of the road, you know? And so on and so forth. My emotional say, oh, it's so sound, but is it dependent on Deb being around? Is it dependent on my physical condition being okay? Is it what? It's got a lot of dependencies, yeah? Doesn't it? My mental state, forget about it. <laughs> it doesn't, you can have 
everything perfect, and it's like, to me, I always say, if you, you could take an alcoholic and drop it into heaven, it'd be hell in a day. It fucking doesn't give a shit. It'll find fault somewhere. Like that, all day. How many times, oh, I'd really be so happy if I got this. Hey, this? I want more of this. You know, there's no gratitude. It's just the engine of seeking just gets driven. And then the spiritual condition is just the mental idea and the mental state. Because you are the spiritual condition. This, you can maintain your circumstantial state and maintain your physical state, your emotional, mental. <clears throat> you cannot maintain your spiritual state. It's self-effulgent. It's its own maintenance. It's own maintenance. It doesn't need you manicuring its lawn. Yeah? It likes to grow wild. It doesn't, it doesn't need you, you know, oh, this is, these are my 30 feet, and this is your plot, your spiritual plot. It just, go, it just goes right over all those boundaries. Yeah? Everything that you just conveniently excluded, this is spiritual stuff, this isn't. It includes it all. Farting, pornography, whatever. Yeah. Oh no, this good of it blows out good and bad. Yeah? It's a state beyond all the other states. That's the only way you're going to have any kind of stabilization here. Not from the four states of physical, mental, emotional, and circumstantial, but from that, because it's not a state. It doesn't have to be maintained. It's not found. It's not acquired. You can't lose it. It's op- totally open. It's not, it's not like a flower that opens just with the sun. It's totally wide open. You're just interested in other things right now. <clears throat> You're interested in other things. And it, the interest is so strong, it causes you not to have an interest in that. So it's not, it's not like it's not there. It just doesn't matter right now for many of us. And it shows. It shows. We can be totally devastated by a circumstance, by an emotional break, by a mental thought, by a physical uh, disturbance, totally broken. The only security is in non-security. You can't be, you better become secure in the non-security of this place, or you'll be fucking trying to manage control incessantly. Yeah? And you'll fail. You won't be able to have it all lined up and stay just the way it is. It's very untidy. The sense of ease and comfort isn't based on those conditions. They provoke agitation. But the sense of ease and comfort comes from what you are. Not to what you are, but from what you are. <clears throat> That's reliable. And, it will, and you'll know it when you lay down in it. You'll know it. The reliability of it. It brings some stability in rocky times. It brings some stability in terminal illness. It brings some, some stability in a mental, all those mental illnesses people have. It's the shining, unerring light.
Find it and you'll know it. Rest there and you'll be filled up. Yeah. I think one of the best ways to capture is the fish in the water. You know, trying to get a sense that you're so immersed in it that it's so always that you don't notice it. Yeah. It's so like I used to use the example, let's say when you were a baby and you were born <coughs> and someone put a hand on your shoulder and it was been there now the rest of your life. You wouldn't know it was there because it was always there. Yeah. And you would feel its effects, but you wouldn't know what was causing them. And you'd be bitching about, why is this shoulder droopy, you know? And then you'd have, like, one, you'd have to buy special tailored shirts with one arm longer than the other and stuff like this. And you'd have all these far-flung conspiracy theories about it, but no knowledge. All that would be necessary to figure it all out would be its lifting, yeah? When it lifted you'd realize what was going on. You don't realize it while it's always there. When it lifts, the selfing isn't always there, but it tells a story that it's always there. And if you're listening to the stories over there, your attention will be distracted from those big glitches where you are free, and the story will continue that you're looking to become free. Yes? It's a trick. No, it's a trick. Every moment that's available, you know, something will grab your attention so that it won't land. Because its whole gig would be over if it was one moment was just awake here. You'd realize you'd realize its influence by its absence. Yes. You would recognize self as a verb, selfing, there isn't one. It doesn't, has never climaxed into a state of thingness. It never can. It just seems to be to us. Yeah? So in a sense, if you stop feeding it, <coughs> it won't have such a glow. It's your glow that's going from you to that through identification as. Yeah? These messages, these talks can be helpful. I see it. I can feel it in the room. It's got a different sense of electricity than if you just walk in. Yeah? It's like a hush, in a sense, but a pregnant hush. (coughs) 
sometimes you get these little glimmers, it will lead you to the intimation of what it is, you know. And if you and I are giving everything the meaning it has, our mental state, and because <coughs> it's representing reality, it can give the meaning to things that aren't real to be real. And it will feel really real, you know? I mean, it will be the most authentic experience you could ever possibly have. But that experience isn't generating the realness. It's us. Yeah? We are the reality, and our reality is being lent to things through this thing, through the identification as Yeah? This world is real only to us. This world's impact is not based on the world, it's based on us. Just like you can have the most heinous act you can imagine, let's say, abusing a young child sexually, and you take 20 children that have been abused in a very similar way, maybe by the same person, yet they all will have different experiences. Some of them will grow in the opposite way, others may become alcoholics. So the most heinous thing is it's still not the biggest imprint. It's the imprinter. It's us. Yeah. I don't see how you can dispute it. Look at the simple demonstration that you and I are giving meaning to things. How real can this place be if all that it is is the meaning that we are giving it? So if it isn't real, then what is in that little equation? It must be us, yeah? How could it not be? If the world isn't real, unless it's observed, then the quote-unquote observer or observing is the reality. Just like based on your condition, one day something's a problem, the next day you feel better, it's not a problem, the next day you don't feel good, it's a problem again. Don't you, how could it, don't you see it? <coughs> how could it be a problem and a not a problem, and then a problem again? Unless it doesn't really mean anything except the meaning we give it. And that meaning is, is based on the condition we believe we are. And if we're identified as ourself, our condition is based on those other conditions. Physical, mental, emotional, and circumstantial. Yeah? <clears throat> they can change, so our condition can change. And sometimes from like five minutes on, you know? Like people uh, feel like they're enlightened at 9.30 in the morning, and by 10 they're in a deep depression. It can swing so radically all day. How can you withstand like the, the, space, the stationary story that's being given to you when th you're being pulled and pushed constantly, emotionally, physically, mentally, and circumstantially? <clears throat> if my condition is based on those conditions, it's going to be a precarious condition, isn't it? How could peace of mind dawn there? How could serenity dawn there? Yeah. How could agitation, when it meets peace, become peaceful? 
If it's the dominant thing, it will agitate itself with the idea of peace, which I see over and over again. Yeah. You reign supreme. Now, if you see that you and I give things the meaning they have, or let's say the reality at that moment they have to us, could you imagine if you turn that reality maker and let it make what is real real? The wallop that would have in one's life? I've seen it, in, I've seen it demonstrated in this life. When a download occurred in a trailer almost 27 years ago, it brought sobriety into a life, and it's been reinvigorating itself for 27 years, that little solution. Yeah? Can you imagine what would happen if, instead of being the recipient of that, that you turned around and looked towards where that came from? <coughs> and on you that way? You may not need any more fireworks. You'd be, you'd be warmed by its fire all the time. You would enter a state of surrender instead of constantly going into surrender and out of surrender. <coughs> yeah? You would realize there's no need to try to get to the fourth dimension. You are the fourth dimension. As they talk in recovery, you know. The spiritual dimension that Bill W. said he was rocketed into. I bet you when he was rocketed into it, he recognized it as home. Not a not a, a stack of getaways to the fourth dimension, but a recognition that you've been on a visa, a work visa, here, <laughs> enslaved to the idea of being a self. <laughs> You'd recognize this is your nature, man. Let some of it in your life, please, so you'll have some joy while you're waiting for joy to come. Yeah. You know, you'll have some relaxation while you're looking for it. <laughs> a little goes a long way, I'll tell you. A little bit of what's really stable goes a long way in all those unstable states. Yeah. The contrast is incredible. When you outshine circumstances and situations, you have the potentiality. You can outshine emotional states and physical states and mental states. Yeah. So <clears throat> there you go for tonight. Drink some water. Yes, ma'am, I will. No questions.